It's finally spring, and I'm saying goodbye snow, hello adventure. And during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event, you can get epic deals on your favorite Honda model. Ready to get rugged? Then take the off-road in an all-wheel drive Honda SUV, like the CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, or redesigned Ridgeline. Want to take a spring road trip? Then check out a fuel-efficient turbocharged Civic or Accord. Say goodbye to winter and hello to a new Honda. Don't miss huge savings during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event. Now at your local Honda dealer. Welcome everybody back to the Believe in NXT podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Lawrence, and we have a special treat for you guys today. Today is a two-for-one. No, no, not quite a two-for-one special, but it's a two-for-day. So we dropped earlier today with the preview episode for tonight's NXT. Make sure you guys go check that out. We're available wherever you get your podcasts, which you should know if you're listening to this. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, tune in. How podcasts will travel. Make sure that you please go like and subscribe to the podcast. And also make sure you download the podcast. It helps us keep the lights on over here at Believe. Keep the show up and running so that we can come to you multiple times a week and give you multiple quality episodes like the episode that you're about to hear. If you've been listening to the podcast for the past few weeks, you've heard me during the intro and the outro tease part two of the mighty Vin, And for one reason or the other, it just has never manifested itself and appeared until today. That's right. After what feels like months of teasing, we finally have part two with the mighty Vin dropping. So I'm going to shut up, but real quick, just a quick refresher. Part one of the conversation with Vin ended where we asked Vin to rank the four horsewomen. So this is where part two picks up. Vin is breaking down and ranking the horsewomen. And um, his rankings might surprise you just a little bit. So you're going to hear the music fade right out. We're going to fade right into Vin part two. We also discuss uh, Roman Reigns, representation, have a little more fun with things. Just sit back, relax, and enjoy. And shout out to Vin again for coming through and joining us. He chopped it up with us for several hours that day. Make sure you follow Vin on Twitter at the Mighty Vin. Also follow WrestleRap at WrestleRap, and also Emilio Sparks at Emilio Sparks. Those two are podcast royalty. We appreciate Vin and Sparks and all the time that they've given to us over this year, from Sparks joining us to Vin joining us. So thank you guys again. I'm shutting up. You hear the music fading in. Part two, Mighty Vin. We're jumping off with Vin's ranking of the Horsewomen. Enjoy. Okay, so if I had to rank them, I would say, because I, I, I do like them all. I think they're all great. But if I had to rank them, uh, let's go from top to bottom. I will say... Okay, you know what's making this hard for me? Because there's who the people... like it, When thinking of the number one, it, there's who the people clearly like, which is Becky Lynch. And there's who is clearly going to be the company's pick, which is Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Um, so, therefore, I would say... I'm just talking about like whatever is personal to you as far as what you like from each superstar, in-ring, promo, all that stuff. <clears throat> Okay, I would say Becky, uh, Sasha, Bailey, and Charlotte. I like that. 
And and I know some people are going to be like, Charlotte. I know, I know some people are going to be like, Charlotte, last. What are you talking about? I don't know. I think when whenever Charlotte comes back, um, I think she kind of does the same shtick over and over again. Um, yeah. Like she has a set heel shtick and she has a set baby face shtick. And I don't think she ever really deviates from that. As, like I think her in her in ring work is incredible, but I don't think she necessarily has the character range that the other three clearly have. Like, like um, Bailey has shown a lot of range in the past year. Uh, that's just been hampered by the fact that there's really no crowd, so it's harder to really like see where that's where that would have gone if there was a crowd um sasha i think is the most underrated i think they i'm not gonna say they dropped the ball with sasha because they again they have her in a big big storyline right now and that's been going on basically since she went away and came back so uh so they've kind of like pivoted and and almost like done right by her, but certainly she was a big focal point of the women's division back in like two, uh, 2016, 2017. Uh, so she definitely had a moment uh, there where she was huge. And then Becky, I think is number one, just because uh, like that was the natural choice. Like the fans love her. She's got that range where she can be a badass, and and she's got the range enough where she can pull it back and be very sincere and believable um, regardless of what WWE gives her. Mm-hmm. So yeah, Becky, Sasha, Bailey, and Charlotte. Alright, alright. But you see where Bailey landed? Right toward the bottom set. But she, okay, so the reason I asked you <laughs> is because Jacob really disrespects the hell out of Bailey. I think the most recent thing he said about Bailey was that She's very good at everything, but a master of nothing. I think that's that's just me paraphrasing. Jack of all trades, master of none. That's not an insult necessarily. Yeah, my thing with Bailey is that they turned her heel, and I think that they really missed an opportunity to to, as you were saying before, off mic, um, to sort of make her like a John Cena type where she can really move a lot of merch. You know, she has this connection with a lot of the younger female fans. And that's a real demographic that they're, they're, I would bet they're lacking in. Yeah. So to take that away in the service of making another heel, I don't know if that does Bailey justice. I mean, I say I don't know if that does Bailey justice. I'm sure Bailey is doing just fine being, you know, the top, one of the top women in the company right now, Grand Slam champion. You know, certainly no love lost with Bailey. But, you know, even with that said, I think in terms of merchandising and marketing, I think they really had something with Bailey, and I don't know if they fully capitalized on it. Yeah, I think the thing with Bailey is for says Cena argument, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but Bailey got stale where Cena never really got. St- Let me take that back. Bailey got fully oh, stale where oh, Cena only got oh. slightly stale. That's what I was about to say. That's like Cena got slightly stale, but he would disappear just long enough or come back with another color out of the Fruity Pebbles box where it felt just enough fresh. Like that coat of paint was like, all right, this is good enough to get me through another two month run. Nah, do you remember how hated John Cena was? And I'm talking about like during the 
the JBL day, stuff like that, where you just watched Fairview, but you knew John Cena was going to win? Like, you didn't have to watch it, but you just knew he was going to win? That, that, yeah, that went on for, like, that. I want to say, six, seven years. Yeah, think about that. How much is that a testament? I can't believe I'm defending John Cena this much. How much of a testament is that, though, to the quality of work that Cena was putting over? Albeit you can combine it with him being shoved down our throat, but still. You say quality of work, and I say you could have built up so many, so much other generational talent during that time to make the playing field level. Well, yeah, I mean, look at the Nexus. I mean, yeah, I mean, they, title run. they mishandled the Nexus completely. They lucked up with Daniel Bryan because they didn't want to make Daniel Bryan what he is. That was a forced hand. Like, Johnson didn't put over Bray Wyatt till this year. Took a new gimmick, new character. Not wrong, not wrong. That's my, that's my thing with Bailey. I felt like her as a face just became stale because it was literally the same thing over and over. At least Cena went through the hustle, loyalty, respect bit into this, into that. There were like slight little shifts. Bailey was all, hey, I'm a hugger the whole time through. Sasha, you're my best friend. Why are you acting like this the whole time through? She's like yeah. Millhouse from The Simpsons the whole time through. Never changed. Never changed. Another Simpsons yeah. reference makes the Believe in NXT podcast. Yes. Yeah, yeah. She she was very Millhouse, like the sort of second banana, like, like, do you need, like, like uh, hey Bart, do you need a best friend? Because <laughs> I've been looking for someone to boss me around. Basically. I don't know. I've always and this is where me and Jacob disagree, but I feel like during that time, Bailey's in ring work is always held up, though. Yeah, every it's yeah, she, like I said, she's doing fine. Everything's coming up, Bailey. Every you know, she's got it. I mean, if you want to, I can argue that Bailey hasn't produced a banger with somebody not named Sasha or Oscar, but you know. And he well, gets better every again? time I make that mention. Every time. Well, you can you take that again? up with Bailey. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Ben. That's all I was trying to say. So we doing that again? Bailey don't got hits. With somebody not named Sasha or Oscar, she just had one with with Kyrie Sane like a month ago. Now think of somebody else. It was Kyrie. Yeah, no. Kyrie. Think of somebody other than Kyrie Sane that she's had a banger with. I rest my case. See, I re- Sasha, I you I, can go down the road with I with bangers for this, but I same will, for Charlotte. I will top. get this off. Becky Lynch. Becky Lynch is stone cold. Austin uh, never know, really had you know, that many I, bangers. I want, I want Sonya Deville to be champion sooner rather than later. Ooh. Okay, so that's an interesting take. So Go you ahead, feel like this is it. just time off then, and she'll be back in the fold, repackaged? God, I hope so. Like I, well, maybe not repackaged, but like I like this intense, like Sasha. Uh, I like this intense Sonya Deville that we were seeing uh, right before SummerSlam. Now, I don't know if they gave her time off because of everything that happened in real life. Um, you know, that's obviously, that's up in the, I, I, I'm not even going to touch that. Like, that's just, it is what it is. She got time off now. So, mm-hmm. you know, she's going to come back eventually. I think she is the total package. Like, she has everything to be a top star in that company. And not only that, she appeals to a different demographic than maybe they have 
been she appeals to a different demographic than they have been appealing to prior in the in the queer community. I think she's a great representative for the company. She's a great representative for the community. I think she has the look. She has the attitude. I think she is great in the ring. She has uh, a mixed martial arts experience. So you can even sort of tap into that a little bit. Uh, I don't, I, I think that she's a massive missed opportunity right now that they need to pull the trigger on. And they were pulling it a little bit before SummerSlam. Right. And then obviously, like I just said, you know, real world situations got in the way. So, you know, we're, I think we're left to assume that that's kind of why she, uh, you know, took off in SummerSlam, but who knows? Um, but the fact is, when she comes back, I hope that they pull the trigger on her. Do you feel like if there was actually a SmackDown Women's Champion in place that was a babyface, she would have got that opportunity? Uh, hmm. Because she's got to be a heel, right? Yeah, I feel like it. I feel like it has to be. Well, she was doing heel work for sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know. Again, that goes back to like if there was a crowd. And she was doing the whole thing where, like, she's, uh, you know, uh, destroying Mandy Rose and threatening to cut her hair off. I could see the crowd, like, kind of getting behind that. Like, the. Like, organically, like, just. Like, a it, Becky was, it was buzzing on social media for real. Like, hard. Yeah. Yeah, like, why? Yeah, like, they should be selling a lot of merch. Like, she was doing the whole, like, you know, call me Daddy DeVille. And, like, that's like t shirt work. Yeah, that's a great like, shirt. <laughs> yeah. See, you know what the problem is? See, and I'm wearing this bright orange shirt for those listening at home. It's a, the Pancake Power shirt. The problem with the merch is they do a lot of generic merch for superstars when they should really be getting creative. Because it, it, that stuff would sell. A lot of it would. Yeah, well, they always wait too long, too. Like, they wait way too long, and then they put out a shirt of something that was hot, like, four months ago. And it's like, see, we did it. We got you the shirt. It's like, but, th- but that's too late at that point. Yeah, I think the only thing that they really struck on was the I Got Kids shirt. Like, that came pretty quickly. Yeah. But, like, even Rusev like said, Day, like, but even, like, Rusev Day, like, you hear the story that Rusev was telling recently about how, like, they sold out of merchandise, and Vince McMahon was like, but was like oh uh what he said what what did he say he said like oh i guess they uh there was a problem at the factory or something and it's like no they they're selling out of the merch you need to make more oh yeah the the dispute of like we only made x, x amount of shirts to make more versus like believing that no i'm selling out <laughs> yeah yeah of this shirt yeah i mean that's unfortunate for him but i think and i don't know where he where does where does Miro fit on AEW? I'm having a hard time saying that. I knew he would go there, but I'm just trying to picture where he fits. You better stick him in the mid card and don't one off on with Moxley. That's the safe bet. That's the problem. They one off everybody though. Seems like whoever's your champion, um, they build up guys for a couple of weeks to have that big feud, and then they. That's the problem with the ranking system. It's like back to the bottom. We I've seen it. We've seen it happen multiple times. I think that's what happened with. With Brody until now, Archer is now back in the picture again. Um, Scorpio Sky has like what thirty wins. He gets his shot now, fades to the background. 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I mean... By the I mean, way, can, can you guys riddle me this too? Um, mm-hmm. How does... Jacob, you're going to love this. How does Cody Rhodes get, like, completely washed, but then Dustin Rhodes goes and give Brody, like, super work the whole match? Because I think in wrestling logic, there is something to the idea that, oh, if you're a veteran, you've, you've, like, you've got the superpowers. Like, we've seen this in wrestling logic. We've seen this all the time where, you know, they'll bring back a really old superstar for a one-off like not even a match, just like a sketch. And they'll give someone the business who's like 30 years younger than them. And realistically, it's like, they should not be, they should not be doing this. Like, like, you know, like, uh, I don't even know who, like the rock and roll express should not be coming back. And like one punch sends like someone 30 years younger than them, like flying into the ring. Or winning the NWA tag team titles. But yeah. Winning the, the NWA tag team titles. <laughs> That's, that, yeah, that's actually a great example because but in wrestling logic it's like oh well they're the veterans like they're experienced so like they have they have the superpowers it's like the old man's strength in basketball that's the best way I can compare it because I was going to say the exact same thing Vince said and also you can kind of say that he had a reason to go in there charged up he just watched his younger brother get decimated so you got a little bit yeah. of revenge, like a, there's a battery in his back. So he's like, nah, I'm going to go try to avenge my family and get it back for baby bro. I believe in the big brother aspect of it, but he, I would say that match was like 70-30 him, though. I mean, like, look, we, man's hitting we, Canadian destroyers. I mean, at this we, point. We talked about Drake Maverick giving Killian Day into business like three weeks ago. This, this was like worse than that. I was dumbfounded watching the match. Like, damn, Dustin really whooping Brody ass here. Like, what are you, what are you trying to tell me? Like Dark Order is supposed to be like this thing right now, like this big cloud over AEW. Yeah, don't tell Emilio. I, I am not high on the Dark Order. Tell me why. Because I think they're because um, I think they're trying to be this, like you said, this big sort of cloud over AEW. But they don't come off that way. Like Remember, and I guess it's it's cliche to bring up the example of the NWO, but like when the NWO first hit, it felt like they were interfering in everyone's matches just because they didn't like WCW. And the Dark Order just feels like they're just another W, they're just another uh, AEW faction or, or like tag group. Like they're just there. They're not. They don't really have. They have their their moment within the two hour time frame, but they're not really making an impact. Yeah. Yeah. Like they're not, um, I mean, I guess they're well-defined. Yeah. I mean, really what, what um, sucked out a lot of their momentum was when they first introduced Brody Lee, his first match, they had him lose to John Moxley. And it's like, well, how am I going to take you seriously? If like, right. If you've been built up for months, and, like, right out of the gate in your first match, I don't care if it's a title match or not, you just, like, get flown through the um, through the ramp. Yeah, you get choked out and everything. And it kind of cuts off your legs. Like, Yeah, he, they booked it backwards. They should have started with Cody and beat the brakes off of Cody and right. then go to Moxley down the road. 
No, because no, because we had to have like fourteen weeks of Cody uh, yeah. beating everyone. Well, random one-offs. Like I get it. You're giving the Ricky Starks, the Eddie Kingston's, the War Horses, Scorpio Skies to a lesser extent. You're giving them their moment, but you're not doing anything with it after that. With the exactly. exception of Starks and Kingston. Yeah, I get it, but at the same time, it's like. Because that was introduced right after he uh, lost his title shot. And it was like, well, I can never challenge for the heavyweight title ever again. But hey, I just invented this new belt. (laughs) (laughs) And it was like, oh, he just invented it to keep himself on top. I don't know. I find, I don't know. I find AEW Cody very boring. I find babyface Cody, like, unbearably boring. Yeah, it has to be the nightmare version from... That was traveling the world, really. That's the one that. Yeah, give me the everybody. rich southern asshole Cody. Yeah. None of this baby face, white boys in the crowd, like, oh my God, my favorite wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know too many. And look, I'm white, but like, I, I, but I'll say it this way, just plain and simple. Like, I know a ton of white people that are just like, Man, Cody is my favorite wrestler in the world. And you can that whatever, whatever you like. You do you. But I don't get it. I don't get babyface Cody. I just don't. I don't get the appeal. I don't get what he does in the ring that is so like, you know, charismatic. I don't think babyface Cody cuts a good promo. I think he's best when he's a shit kicking heel. Yeah, and this is a very unpopular opinion, but I actually like Stardust better. It's I'm probably like the one in a million person, but I don't know why. I liked his in-ring work with his promos with Stardust. Here's the thing. Cody is at his best when he is given something to do. So when he's playing the casual, hey, everybody loves me because I'm just myself and I'm Cody. And, <laughs> you know, hey, that's great. Like, that doesn't hit the same way as someone saying, okay, Cody, you got to go out there and you got to get them to hate your guts. Or, hey, here's a gimmick you don't like. Go out there and figure out a way to make it work. Like, you could feel, like, he's great because, like, you could feel the passion inside him, like, when he's trying to get something over. But when he's babyface Cody, it doesn't feel like he's trying to get something over. Yeah, he's his, at his best when he's not himself. It's a great way of putting it. Yeah. And to the Dark Order's credit, because they're kind of just here, I've always looked at the Dark Order, well, not what they are, but they should be like Raven's flock. And I feel like they don't build enough of the individuals up to give them that, I guess, that level of notoriety. Because we know Brody Lee, some of the other guys, are. I think Grace, Stu Grace is a really good wrestler. Smash Brothers, yeah. Yeah, but some of these other guys just we have like what 10, 12 people that are just numbers. And I feel they're like they the, need to they're the NWO more at the end. That's what they are. Yeah, they're all Virgils. They're just like <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wow. Pretty accurate though. Pretty accurate. Everybody just they're all to join. Yeah, they're all they're all just like you know, like when he joined, when IRS joined, it's like, well, why is IRS in the NWO? Like, yeah, they are all Virgils. That that might be the quote Damn. for this episode. That's that's <laughs> that's definitely going to be in the title. 
but they're I'm, all virgins. <laughs> someone's gonna someone's gonna look at that and be like, "What is this? They're all virgins? What? <laughs> they're all virgins? Are they talking off white? What?" Uh, this is great. Um, I kind of want to delve back to something that you mentioned before we went down the dark order rabbit hole. You talked about representation, and that's really why we wanted to get you on this show. You've been a huge advocate, supporter of representation in wrestling, whether on your Twitter, the WrestleRap Twitter, or the WrestleRap show itself. How do you feel as a whole, NXT, main roster, WWE, AEW, hell, we'll throw New Japan, Ring of Honor, PWG in there as well. How do you feel that wrestling is handling representation from companies, from the entertainers, and then lastly, us being the shit-eating, neck-beard-wearing, musty wrestling fans? Uh, That's a... It's a complicated question to answer because I think that when you look at... There's several layers to it. So let's start with the companies. So you look at something like WWE... Um, as a fan, there's very little we can do to control what they're doing on the inside because they do, because it's become very clear that especially a company like WWE uh, keeps itself very much in a bubble. So really, you you only have what you can do as a fan at your disposal. So you look at something like the situation of Velveteen Dream right now, where there's a lot of people out there who. Uh, who want him off TV. Now, assuming that there wasn't a pandemic, you would probably see a lot of people getting very angry at NXT shows. Or, you know, maybe, you know, the word gets out that, hey, let's all just not say anything when he comes out. That way, you know, it's the old, like, oh, you know, the worst thing you can do is is not boo, but just not do anything at all. So, like, it'd be interesting to see what the reaction to Velveteen Dream would be in a live crowd right now now in the thunderdome you did see someone pop up on screen a message saying fire velveteen dream mm-hmm. certainly on social media you're seeing a lot of people you know sort of saying hey you know i don't want him in nxt anymore and who knows he might be on his way out for all we know i don't know what that situation is gonna gonna turn out to be um but in terms of actual like representation and what the fans can do um it it honestly just comes down to the fans when talking about a bigger company like WWE or even AEW because we're the ones that need to show the support. You know, why did Kofi Kingston get the push that he did? You know, why is Naomi suddenly getting, you know, a bit of a push, even though, you know, we just talked a little while ago about, oh, she's not in the title picture right now. You know, certainly she got to this point a little bit in the past month because people were, you know, really getting behind her and maybe they looked at that and said, hey, let's change a few things. Um, support is always going to be the best way to, uh, to, to get people more involved in wrestling, even on those bigger platforms. Um, at least we would hope. Like, okay, if there's someone who we really like and we buy a lot of their merch that's a sign that, Hey, you know, this person should be the guy that, or, or woman that we, that we push. It doesn't always work out that way, but again, you have to look at what you can do in the here and now to, to, uh, to, to sort of make your own mark and, and support those people sort of in the ways that you're able to change. 
Now, when it comes to individual wrestlers, it becomes a little easier because then, you know, your contributions to an independent wrestler directly affect them or at least more directly affect them. Mm -hmm. So if you're an independent promoter, you know, you're seeing a lot of shows right now pop up that are like the For the Culture shows that have been going on and the Black Wrestlers Unite show and like all these other shows. Uh, you know, places like Battle Club Pro here in New York City that will exclusively or almost exclusively book shows that uh, have queer wrestlers on the bill, have parity between how many male and female wrestlers they have on, will make sure they have, you know, a certain number of black wrestlers that they that they hit. And some people scoff at that and they go, oh, well, you know, so black people are just a quota to you? It's like, well, no, it, you know, at a certain point, if you're seeing that there's a lot of black talent out there and somehow it's not on your show and hasn't been for a while, then, you know, maybe you should think about going, you know what? I've got 20 people on this show. I'm in New York City. Somehow none of these people are black. <laughs> maybe, you know what? Let's make it a point every month to go, you know what? Let's at least get eight black people on the show. And that's not saying, hey, we're scratching the bottom of the barrel. We got to hit a quota because you know what? You're going to find eight black. I, I guarantee you are going to hit that total so fast. So it's not a matter of, oh, we have to put people on our shows that quote unquote aren't worthy or don't, you know, or wouldn't be on there otherwise. Right. It's making sure that you're keeping yourself accountable and getting people on that you know maybe are not getting opportunities elsewhere. Uh, so bigger companies, you know, it, we're living in reality. You know, there's very little you can do to change their minds short of, you know, like doing petitions and really getting a good rally going. Uh, so I think in terms of the individual, you should always look to find ways to support the individual wrestlers. Because I think, again, we know a lot of these companies are shitty. We know Vince McMahon's a shitty guy. <laughs> we know the WWE is a billion-dollar machine that takes blood money from Saudi Arabia. But we also know that the majority of people who work for that company, look, there's only so many places you can work at to wrestle, and right, especially yeah. on that high a level. So that's sort of always the compromise we make as fans that, okay, we'll watch, even though we know this is a shitty company, but, you know, we're watching for the wrestlers. We're doing it to support the wrestlers. And then as you go deeper down the chain, you know, that support is allowed to be more direct. And I think we should take advantage of that opportunity. Gotcha, that makes sense. So I was going to ask, um, Sunny Kiss is a member of the queer community. Correct me if I'm wrong. And how do you feel with people like Sunny Kiss will bring up Sonya Deville because you mentioned how she should be in contention for the SmackDown women's title. How do you feel if they get a push toward a title, toward a main event slot, toward a prominent spot? Do you feel like it's almost like the token black argument? Like we're just giving you this to appease you because Leo Rush made a tweet a couple of months ago when Keith Lee won at Great American Bash and Leo was like, they're just putting the belt on him because it's hot right now. It's the smart thing to do from a societal marketing standpoint of like, look, we got a black champion. 
we got a black world champion. And you can argue Lille was right given how Keith Lee's run played out. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's always going to be an interesting question because we'll never know. Like, that specific situation of, of Keith Lee, we'll never really know the true answer because, you know, you look back at Survivor Series and, you know, they gave him a pretty nice little push in that right. Survivor Series match. Uh, you know, they gave him the fist bump with Roman. You know, they kind of, like, anointed him. Like, hey, watch this guy. Like, if you're not watching NXT, you got to watch for Keith Lee. So they were kind of already building him up as a guy to be in contention for the NXT title very, very soon. Now, you jump back to now where his reign only lasted like a couple weeks and his first defense he lost. Fair enough, but like the next night or, you know, that week, he gets called up to the main roster. Now, again, sort of flipping back and forth. Uh, goes up to the, you know, loses the belt. Not good. Immediately gets called up to the main roster. Good. Uh, doesn't have the same music. Questionably not good. Destroys Randy Orton. Good. Mm -hmm. So the Keith Lee example, I'm like, I'm always conflicted on a little bit because I like, we really just have to see how that plays out. But in general, going back to the example of Sonny Kiss, I think the, I'm kind of of two minds of it because, you know, if they push someone, uh, like Jinder Mahal is actually a good example. If we go back to that, okay, or it was very clear that they gave the belt to Jinder Mahal because they were trying to make inroads into India, right? Uh, and that was like very like overtly. Clear. That's not even like speculation. Um, and you know you can argue Jinder Mahal had no business uh, carrying that belt. Now, on the other hand, okay, this company is also a business. So this business wants to make inroads into a new country. Mm -hmm. How do you go about doing that? Do you just hot shot the belt onto someone like Jinder Mahal? Or could they have built up Jinder Mahal? for a couple months and said, Hey, we've got a strong, uh, you know, uh, 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 Indian. I don't know what specific, uh, um, um, uh, if he's Indian or not, but you know, we have someone of, of Indian descent, uh, of Indian language, descent. One of yeah, we have someone of Indian descent on our roster. Let's build them up. Let's give them the chance. Let's see if they can sink or swim. And if they're good enough and they're really running with it, yeah, I, I see no problem putting the belt on them. Now, the problem with Jinder Mahal was that it was more of a hot shot. And what they were doing with him initially, I actually kind of really liked. This idea that you know, he's fed up, that he's been a jobber for so long. So now he's brought in the Singh brothers and he just straight up steals the belt from Randy Orton. He steals it. Now he's got the belt. They have a pay-per-view match. He wins it by nefarious means because he's got the Singh brothers. And now he's he's running roughshod over SmackDown. He doesn't care. I think that was a good idea. Um, they didn't make it as clear as I think they, they should have. And they saddled him with an awful uh, 
gimmick of sort of like making fun of Nakamura's speech, which I did not think worked. Um, but now you take that idea that I was just talking about with him that they could have done and apply it to Sonny Kiss. Now, if they just hot shot the title to Sonny Kiss one day, then it's like, well, wait a minute. What are they do- Are they just doing this to make Sonny Kiss a token? Right. Especially if they do but, it during, say, Pride Month. Right. Or um, they could build up Sonny Kiss and go, you know what? Sonny Kiss is actually really, really good. And he appeals to an audience that we want to attract. So let's actually build up Sonny Kiss. Because we know... We know they've got the power inside. We like. We know they're good for it, and we know we can get a great program out of them. So why not? And they do like a two-month build, and like the crowd's getting behind Sunny Kiss, and then you pull the trigger, and Sunny Kiss wins. You know the TNT title. I have no problem with that, because again, it goes back to them being a business, and it's how is this business going to achieve its goal? Is this business going to just throw a title on someone? Or are they going to actually build them up and try and get the audience invested a little bit? Okay. So let's just stay on Sunny Kiss for a second. Sonny, I think, opened a lot of eyes to people who weren't familiar with his work in that matchup against Cody. Would you have felt like if they put the belt on Sonny in that moment that they were doing it in an act of appeasement? Or would you felt like Kiss deserved it? Because there's twofold with Sonny Kiss. One, you have the queer community... Um, angle to it. And then you also have the fact that Sonny Kiss is a black person. And right. you can argue that AEW's roster is 90% white, looks very vanilla, if you want to be frank about it. And they tend not to push the black people that they have. Big mm-hmm. Swole looks to be the exception to the rule. And given the climate when Kiss challenged Cody, you still had all the protests going on. George Floyd was still relatively fresh in a lot of people's memory, along with Breonna Taylor. How would you have felt about that? Because me and Seth are both black, and we've come on this show multiple times and been like, yeah, we need to do more, but we feel like if you do it, it might not look right. Like, the optics might not look right. Like, Keith Lee, we said they had this whole plan, but there was a point where Keith Lee cooled off for a good two, three months before he took the belt. Yeah. Well, has to be done of- in good conscience, really. Like, yeah. um, not out of like thin air. Like, I think one thing Leo, um, it was either Leo. I don't think it was Apollo Crews. Had to be Leo. That it sh- it shouldn't be like, oh, this is our um, first black champion, double champion. It should just be that way. The balance of the roster should just feel that way. Um, like for tonight, I think tonight we have UFC going on, and we have our first main event featuring a um a black female fighter fighter in angela hill and it's a big moment but it shouldn't it should just be normalized and that's i guess we get at certain things are normalized to where it feels like there's a hint of pandering yeah i think if sunny kiss would have gotten the belt i think it definitely would have felt like a little bit of pandering I, again i think that it's all about how you execute things in wrestling i think they gave sunny kiss a chance I think the audience, react, you know, from what I've seen, reacted positively. Mm-hmm. And I think now you take that information and you you run with it. You go, okay, we got a good reaction from Sunny Kiss. Maybe we should start putting Sunny Kiss in more matches. And now you start to build up Sunny Kiss. 
and you make it to the point where this is actually something that Cody talks about in a lot of his promos, but I think it, it, it absolutely applies to everyone on the roster where, um, in fact, I actually think it applies the least to Cody. So it's funny that he's the one that brings this out all the time, but you have to make yourself undeniable. Uh, like you make yourself go from undesirable to undeniable. And I think that as a company, you have that ability with the right kind of worker, in this case, someone like Sonny Kiss, to take them from someone who was completely on the back burner to now you showcase them in a marquee match of Cody. And now you can really start to build Sonny Kiss and build their character and build sort of their mythos in the company. And you can get to that point where it's undeniable that, okay, if they get the title, it's something that they, that they deserve, whether or not they're queer, whether or not they're black. This is just something we've put them in a position to succeed. It's not that you hand them something. Right. It's that we are making sure that we're putting you in the same position to succeed that we've put other white marquee stars Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. Just because it's just about having, yeah, I agree with that sentiment. Because like, it's you have a chance. Like we talked about sink or swim earlier. It's like being in the position because of your talent and not because of anything else. But the problem yeah. is, and you can make the counter argument is that Apollo Cruz is probably just as talented on a pure wrestling standpoint, if not more talented than say. Seamus, The Miz, mm. hmm. which actually kind of works perfectly. The Miz, you go back to the Talking Smack segment with Big E and Miz. I think The Miz may have been oblivious. I don't think The Miz is that dense of a person. Haven't met think, the guy. Have you listened to the following? Uh, damn, I feel like. Like the next he, week when they went back at it? Nah, you got to listen to Miz on uh, New Day's podcast in the past couple of weeks. They talk about that. I think he was trying to. He said he was actually trying to bring that emotion out of Big E so people can see this, what this run is supposed to mean, something like that. So yeah. I think he was playing devil's advocate. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so I'm just going to be openly frank and honest here. As a white person, you really can't play devil's advocate in that role because it's going to come off like either A, you're completely oblivious to your white privilege, or B, you're aware of it and you just don't give a damn. Yeah, it really sm- – yeah, like – if that's his answer, it really smacks of like the uh, the father, the white father figure that is like a coach or a teacher to a uh, black student. Kind of like and um it's like, um, which like, oh, I'm giving you tough love, like yeah. That's how I took it. I, I took it like, hey, even from the the New Day pod, it was like the Miz kind of understands what he wants to show the public, but without being a different character completely is showing that compassion on Talking Smack. And that's why I think White kept kind of poking the bear a little bit. That's fine and dandy, but you as a white wrestler can't tell me as a black wrestler that, hey, you need to be a little more serious. This colorful gimmick isn't going to get you anywhere when, oh, last I checked, we've been putting asses in seats for the longest and we've literally sit on top of merch and everything else. 
So what you're telling me yeah. is I'm good enough for a tag team, but I'm not good enough to be at the top. Like you're giving, you're putting a glass ceiling on me, like men put on women. That's very true. But Miss was 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 forgotten too. He was hated. He wasn't liked in the locker room and stuff like that. So I and think he that's still where he's got from. rocket strapped to the top though. That's the whole rocket issue. strapped is really hard. This rocket strapped. Oh yeah, back in 2011, that Miz run, Miz closed the mania. That they Miz had, run. I'm saying rocket strapped. Even had, when he was like the chick magnet guy with the weird outfits. They had like okay here. They had Ric Flair. Give him the figure four leg lock as his new finisher. Like that's that. a that's a that's a crazy level of trust. That's a weird level of trust to be like, hey, we're gonna bring out Ric Flair and he's gonna give you his finishing move. Yeah, like if we want to keep it a buck, the Miz might be the most privilege isn't quite the word, but the most um he's benefited the most from his status as who he was coming in from his name they've given him the most chances and a lot of things that they wouldn't give to a lot of people oh especially especially black wrestlers like yeah the whole our truth angle well yeah but like i'm just thinking about like even when he came in and he kind of floundered for a little while and they made him more of like a like a presenter and mm-hmm. that and that night that he like screwed up the phone number that people were supposed to call, it's like if he was black, forget about it. Oh, from Titus is yeah. the prime example. Yeah, the Titus the world slide. Like if no, even Titus giving Vince a pat on the back, and Titus was gone for sixty days on a suspension. If Titus would have been in Mrs. Spot and butchered a phone number, we would have never seen Titus O'Neil again. Well, to to that credit, we don't see Titus O'Neil now, but I, I'm pretty sure he's. Like he has this slob to come because he's just an ambassador. He's a damn good ambassador for whatever what he's doing on a PR standpoint. Yeah. I, I feel like that's his role. Just like Big Show's role is like backstage, managing, helping people develop their character, stuff like that. I think that's always been Titus's show. Yeah, but they would have got Titus completely out of here. I think they would have cut ties and washed hands with Titus. Because we talked about this with um Rayvon. The leash is shorter for black people. He kind of went with the argument of it's less of what color you are and more so who you are, but still. The Miz has been given a lot, like Vin was saying. I feel you. I, I just, I just feel like the Miz was definitely in that undesirable role for a good chunk of time after the real world stuff, and not, and not just on public TV. But I'm talking about backstage politics in the locker room. I, I, I think he was not allowed to, to share same spaces with people, stuff like that. He was definitely undesirable for a long time. He pushed him. You got to listen to the podcast. Listen to other podcasts. I, I feel like you'll, you'll understand. I'm not going to go too hard on, on Miz uh, for poking, for, for bringing the, the um, emoting out of Big E so we can see, like, how, how he feels about this run and making it his own. Oh, no. You're, yeah, you're good. I'm sorry. I was watching the FSU game, and I just watched the kicker miss a kick horribly. Like, had to be 10 feet wide. Welcome to college football. <sighs> Welcome to Florida State. But yeah, the Big E run is something that is um, very appetizing for a lot of reasons. And I think that was part of the reason why he was written out of the fatal four week, four way match last week, because they want to save him for something big. And it can only mean a match with Roman down the road. Now, whether he goes over in that match, or whatever, it's the fact that he actually gets the title match that means the most. Hmm. Hmm. But to your credit, 
you said you mentioned Apollo Crews not getting the opportunities and stuff like that. I I still Apollo Crews is uh, is hard for me to believe. Great wrestler, great in ring work, stuff like that. As far as a character, not believable. And I know we were talking about the heel turn being Apollo, as we know now it's Cedric. I think that's going to do wonders for Cedric Alexander being in the hurt business. Just to have a different mouthpiece and just let the less is more thing. Like we're doing a less is more thing with Roman right now, and we haven't really talked about it yet, but it's making Roman more more palatable, not not feel so forced. Yeah, this is fair. Less is more, that's cool, but I, I got the perfect comparison for why somebody tell me why Apollo Crews isn't getting the same shot that this person is, and I'm going to wait for Vin to get back because it's, it's going to really open your eyes and probably make you think about it. Past, present, or, past or present? It's current. What's current? Current. Sitting it's on the current. roster currently, getting busy, getting some prime right. showtime. Getting some reps. Don't say don't, don't say. Fantasma, don't, don't. No, no, I wasn't even going to mention it. But the whole argue of Apollo Crews, like I said, is just as talented, if not more talented than most of the roster. However, doesn't get the same opportunity as some people. There's two people that come to mind that you mean to tell me Apollo Crews can't get the same spot they're getting? The first one, Elias. Second mm, one. Elias hasn't been on TV in months, bro. He's hurt. That's why. RLC be right on our TV with Corbin. And some little no, but random just, feud. Just be playing guitar, though, not wrestling. Uh, they that's gave a lot of good push. Tell you what, that's a pretty sweet gig. Don't have to take a bump. Just extend your career. Yeah, yeah. And the second one is Murphy. Yo, I'm not gonna. You're not gonna do that on this podcast. I'm not letting you do that. Henry, you don't think a lot, uh, Apollo is just good, if not better, than Murphy? Why can't he get the same he, I, shots I, I as Murphy? I don't think he's better than Murphy. Neither one can cut a promo. Exactly. They're, so you're saying they're the same person, but they have the exact same amount of airtime right now. Who's in a bigger role? Who had a bigger shot? Because prior to Heyman, Does Murphy have Apollo Crews wasn't doing anything. He's a former tag champ. He's running. Yeah. He's in a main what, event every week. What are his main roster singles titles, though? Nothing. All right, you're going to make this argument as if the U.S. title isn't basically the forgotten belt until recently. Dean Ambrose was like the longest reigning U.S. champion in the modern era, and we honestly forgot he carried around the belt. See, see, I thought you, you shouldn't have went Murphy. I thought you were going to be like Otis, honestly. I mean, I, I could that. argue Otis too. But Otis has charisma and Apollo doesn't, so that's not really a fair – like I can see why you want to push Otis – because Vince loves fat jokes and everything else and everything that's crude and sophomoric. And notice, to his credit, has charisma. I don't buy him as a threat for anything, but, yeah, they'll find a way to get briefed. When Otis, when Otis kissed Mandy at WrestleMania, that's when I wish there, sh- there, there should have been a crowd. Yeah, that would have been a big moment. That would have been a huge moment. We should have headlined WrestleMania if there was a crowd. Ooh. I think that probably would have been the WrestleMania moment, though, definitely. Oh, yeah. And that SummerSlam moment, too, as well, where he put her on her shoulder, gave you that macho Elizabeth vibe. Unintentional, apparently. Mm. 
it's like, that's why I didn't say Otis, because Otis has charisma. They put Otis in a prime spot where I don't feel like if you insert Apollo, that's going to work as well. I would argue that Buddy Murphy was cutting good promos as Cruiserweight champion. If a tree falls in the forest and nobody's around to see wow. it, does it fall? Okay. Wow. Holy disrespecting Murphy. Yeah. Come More so on, 205 man. Live, but. We just we just had this. We just talked about it. I said, because we said, um, who deserved better? I said, Killian Dane deserves better than to get out of here with a flying knee. And I said, Buddy Murphy got the best flying knee in the company right now. Mm. Now, so, but Apollo, but we've, we've complained about Apollo's push stuff right now. He's, he's there. He's featured every single week. It's been like that for a while. I would argue that Ricochet should be in that spot as mm. a athlete competitor. Ricochet should have gotten this U.S. title thing, overcoming the hurt business and stuff like that. And you can argue that we've given Ricochet the ball at least three times when he came onto the main roster with Aleister Black. He had a U.S. title run, and he had a few with AJ Styles for a good little bit, had a couple, uh, had a SummerSlam match, and I think a Night of Champions match as well. And then you had the Brock Lesnar build. Even though he got squashed, he still got his comeuppance and his revenge at the Rumble because he delivered the low blow that allowed Drew to claim more Brock out. So you could say Ricochet Perfect. has given has had his chance to run with the ball. He's had his moments. So now he's he saying never Apollo's gave turn. Apollo his chance, which is also sad because it seems like, and this goes back to representation, you can only have one black person, one queer person, one whatever non non white minority person at a time. Yeah. Remember when Apollo had that? Uh, he ran down to NXT for like a one off. I forget who he faced, but. Yeah, that's a banger. Yeah. So he has consistent bangers. It goes back for me that the rosters are too deep, which is why we see the black guys face each other on Monday Night Raw every week for like the past three months. Because um, <laughs> honestly, Apollo, how much is, how, how big is Apollo? Like, realistically, like 215? Like 6'1, 220, somewhere in that range. Okay. I mean, I can see Apollo not even trying to like, call it a demotion going back to NXT. I can see Apollo cooking in that North American title role. Better than what Damian Priest is giving off right now. And it can be like, that's your spot. Because going against MVP every single week, it, I, we're going to keep doing it for like the next few months, I feel like, now that Cedric's there. But I think this is going to benefit Cedric more than anybody else now. And since we're talking about representation, they brought Ali back for like one week and he's been on main event ever since. Which yeah. is fitting because I think they had plans for Ali, but he went out and made those tweets and then they were kind of like, oh, okay, go sit down. <laughs> what tweets? I, I totally miss these tweets. <sighs> it, was something, it was something cop related. Let me see if I can find it real quick. Oh, oh yeah, I know what you <laughs> I think he was talking about the systemic racism within the police force and what the police were originally intended to to do, calling it out because he's a former cop. Well, show me the lie. Basically. (laughs) Yeah. Pretty much. Because he came back to a pretty big moment, and then after that, he hasn't been on Raw at all. It was back in June. So I can't remember if that was before or after. 
I think that may have been before, but I think it just caught wind up the chain. And it was like, all right, we got to sit you down. Because, yeah, he was a cop for four years. And, again, like you said, Vin, show me the lie. He's yet to tell one. Yeah. So it's kind of weird, but fitting given WWE, but at least to their credit, whether this was something that they argued about in-house or not, they did sit the Forgotten Sons on ice after Riker's tweets. Real big. So it's like, all right, I guess we give WWE, like, should we as fans give the WWE, the AEWs of the world, since they're the big two in America, should we be giving them credit for things that us as minorities feel like And there we go again with Mick Foley's music coming through and us ending on another cliffhanger because, yeah, there's a little bit more to the conversation with Vin. We're going to sit on it for a little bit longer, guys. Just relax. I know I'm not going to give you a date because we were so bad on getting you part two of Vin that we don't want to tell you that part three is coming at the first week. Nah, just sit back, relax. You never know. We might just give you guys a special random episode one day where we finish out the conversation with Vin. Again, shout out to Vin for coming through. Make sure you follow Vin on Twitter. He is at the Mighty Vin. Also follow WrestleRap at WrestleRap. Also Emilio Sparks as well at Emilio Sparks. Don't forget to follow me. I'm at underscore J Della. Said is at said underscore says. That is C E double D underscore S A Y S. Please like, share, subscribe, and download to the podcast. Apple Play, Spotify. I'm sorry, wow, Apple Play, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, have podcasts, will travel. We appreciate you guys listening. Appreciate you. We came through twice, so if you haven't heard, go check out the preview episode for tonight's NXT. We will see you guys on Saturday with the Saturday Morning Audio Dope. It is one of the last few Saturday Morning Audio Dopes. So sit back. You got to enjoy your fix, but don't worry. We're not leaving you. We're just going to change a few days around. We'll give you more details on that as they come available. So just sit back, relax. Your podcast tag team champions are here. We are not going anywhere. So until Saturday, I'm out of here.